Scripture reading is Genesis chapter 27. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food, such as I love, and bring it to me, so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, bring me game and prepare for me delicious food, that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord, before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats, so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father, such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat, so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him, and bring a curse upon myself, and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice, and go, bring them to me. So he went and took them, and brought them to his mother. And his, his mother prepared delicious food, such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went into his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you have told me. Now sit up and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come, please come near, that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him, because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, Are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, Bring it near to me, that I may eat of my son's gain. And bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of the field that the Lord has blessed. 
May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He had also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you, and all his brothers I have given to him for servants. With grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me even also, O my father. And Esau lifted his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of the heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from his neck. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send, and I bring you from there. Bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of you both in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite woman. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? I admit it was a sad day when 
the TV Emmy award-winning show 24 had its final episode. I've come as close as ever to binge-watching in those days when I had Netflix, as I did with Kiefer Sutherland, Jack Bauer, counter-terrorism rogue agent in the show that just at the end of every episode, it seemed, left you dangling, wondering how will that world-shaping or at least country-shaping dilemma get resolved and just kept you on the edge of your seat with anticipation. I find Genesis a lot like that. It seems like ever since the promise of chapter 3, 15, the offspring of the woman, the saving seed to come through Abraham's line in Genesis 12, 3. We have encountered story after story of that promise at risk, in jeopardy, for all kinds of reasons. And here we go again in Genesis 27. You know, we made it safely through the baton pass from Abraham to Isaac with its problems. And now we face the threat of success in the handoff from Isaac to blessings bearer number three in this redemptive plan of God to Jacob, God's chosen successor. And get this, flat out imperiled is that blessing by every character in this story. Nobody shines in this sordid affair of family disintegration. But, 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 blessing as a theme remains paramount. The Hebrew word is barach. It appears no less than 22 times in one form or another in the text. (laughs) Despite of every single person in the story attempting to sum up the works, By taking matters into their own hands, God prevails. Blessing's plan remains on track, and we should be encouraged. You and I, broken people, should be encouraged by this. Israel would certainly be encouraged in its later history, particularly when it would encounter conflict with Edom, the descendants of Esau. And so, here's my main idea for these 46 verses that I think beg treatment as a whole unit. 
God's blessing plan always succeeds despite his people's failures. I want to give you three related principles from the text about this truth. First, our depravity should not be underestimated. We are deeply flawed. Think for a minute about the catalog of sins in this story. Starting with rebellion. Remember, the whole stage is set in the previous chapter with Esau bypassing parental oversight and choosing not just one wife, but two from the Hittites, a race judged by God for runaway, viral, rampant wickedness and set up for disaster. If that's not bad enough, Isaac is violating and rebelling against divine decree. In chapter 25, remember the twins at odds in the womb and Rebecca Rebecca prays why and God reveals. There are two nations at war within you and the older will serve the younger. In spite of that, define decree. Isaac tries to give the blessing to the older so that the younger would end up serving him. Rebellion. Two, sensuality. It's really interesting study. Track it for yourself when you go back and look at this. All five human senses come into play in the way Jacob and Isaac navigate this with emphasis on Isaac's especially his dim eyesight. He's old. He thinks he's going to die. He ends up living a lot longer, actually. But he can't see well, and it's a metaphor for his spiritual insensitivity, his lack of discernment. He is far more motivated by his appetites. Did you see the emphasis, by the way, Kill me some game and prepare me some food such that I, what? Love. Seems like he's way more motivated by his appetites than he is the will of God. Paul rightfully warns in the book of Romans. That we are to beware those whose God is their appetites. Pardon me, Philippians 3.19. Derek Kidner wrote, the real scandal is Isaac's frivolity. Three, favoritism. I've talked about this before, I won't belabor it, but it is here again. Isaac refers to Esau, my son. 
Rebecca refers to Jacob, my son. It's here. It's not helpful. Four, control. Rebecca takes charge. She concocts the ruse. She answers Jacob's objections. Even says, let the curse fall on me. She wants this so bad. She'll arrange for this attempt at controlling the situation. And she demands his compliance. Jacob, obey my voice and Joe. Five, there is deceit. The featured vice. And the, did you catch how the tension builds? You almost want to say, with each way that um, dad, uh as he is, is suspicious, sounds like Jacob, says he's Esau, there's these repeated opportunities for him to just back up. Don't go any further, man. He's got to fight through that, sink deeper and deeper into the quicksand of falsehood until he actually compounds his sin by going to blasphemy. Did you see it in verse 20? He credits God for the speed with which he was able to hunt the food and prepare it. And then finally, betrayal with a kiss. In verses 26 to 27, C.S. Lewis was right. A little lie is like a little pregnancy. I haven't even touched on Esau. Oath-breaking, bitterness, rage, rationalization, murderous intent, hatred. Good grief, what a mess here. This is an unfortunate post-mortem of brokenness in one family in the line of blessing. What's, what's the point? We are all at risk overestimating our self-righteousness. Beware underestimating your depravity. Remember Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all else, desperately sick. Who can understand it? Be suspicious, rightfully so, of your own faults. We all have blind spots. Take heed. We're prone to take matters into our own hands, especially when something threatens our blessing. Jonathan Edwards, a great theological mind of America's past, wrote this near the end of his life. When I look into my heart and take a view of its wickedness, it looks like an abyss infinitely deeper than hell. 
And it appears to me that were it not for free grace exalted and raised up to the infinite height of all the fullness and glory of the great Jehovah, I should appear sunk down in my sins below hell itself, far below the sight of everything but the eye of sovereign grace that alone can pierce down to such a depth. And it is affecting to think how ignorant I was when a young Christian of the bottomless depths of wickedness, pride, hypocrisy, and deceit left in my heart. It, it can very well be true the older you get, the more you know that this is the case. We are all deeply flawed. Our depravity should not be underestimated. Though it is never a threat to God's sovereign blessing plan. Second point, God's sovereignty will not be overruled. He is never thwarted. Let's be honest, this is problematic. There are a couple of things interpretively here that are awfully hard to get our arms around. The way Jacob, blessings bearer in the saving line of Eve, abuses and dishonors his father in the worst of ways. Thank God it's not Father's Day, and I'm preaching that. It's bad enough that you moms are worn with Rebecca. Don't go the controlling route. My, oh, my. And God does not appear overtly in the text, but his name is invoked five times. And what transpires here does so, if we look at the long arc, All of this mess transpires in the name of his saving purposes. Remember, we're tracing this back to the oracle I've mentioned already in Genesis 25, 23, when the Lord said to Rebekah, two nations are in your womb, two peoples from within you shall be divided, the one shall be stronger than the other, the older shall serve the younger. Now, in Genesis 27, the credibility of that oracle is at risk. Its fulfillment hangs in the balance, all because of human sin. Nothing really surprising there. Sinful choices always mess things up. But what takes your breath away, in my mind, is that God's blessing plan for the ages gets rescued because and through the despicable behavior. The ESV Study Bible summarized the main point perfectly. Although Rebecca's actions involved deception, the text simply reports what Rebecca did without condoning or commenting on her actions. Nevertheless, the first audience, again, would see the ways in which God in his sovereignty uses all kinds of actions, good, bad, and mixed, to bring his people to the place in which they find themselves. 
There's comfort for anybody in the room in our brokenness. That's comforting for our church with its history that I traced last week in the times and seasons. And will be comforting for our church in the future, whatever God does. I'm going to have more to say about the depravities here in my last point, but for now, focus on the author's intent. God is sovereign. He is always working. He never fails to accomplish his purposes. His plan is never thwarted, not even the worst actions of human beings can jeopardize his overarching plan. Some text. Isaiah 46, 9 to 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, Things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. Job 42.2, after Satan pummeled him with unspeakable suffering, I know that you can do all things, and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Jeremiah, in Lamentations 3 surveying the destruction of Jerusalem at the hand of wicked Chaldeans. Who has spoken and it came to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? And is it not from the mouth of the Most High that good and bad come? Similarly, Amos 3.6, does disaster come to a city unless the Lord has done it? And of course, the crucifixion, the cross of Christ remains the single greatest evidence of the mystery of how moral evil fits into God's designs, though he never sins himself. Acts 2.23, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Acts 4, 27-28, followed that with, for truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Might we not see the shadow of Judas's betraying kiss on the cheek of our master in Matthew 26, 48 to 49? Might not the shadow of that be pictured in the kiss of Jacob upon his father in Genesis 27. John Piper concludes from a scriptural survey like this one. People lift their hand to rebel against the Most High 
only to find that their rebellion is unwitting service in the wonderful designs of God. Even sin cannot frustrate the purposes of the Almighty. God's blessing plan always succeeds despite his people's failures. Our depravity should not be underestimated. God's sovereignty will not be overruled. Third, life's reality cannot be escaped. Consequences are always reaped. Here's where we must be careful. Beware concluding from point two that you can do whatever you wish and please without regard to God's law. This reality is inescapable. Galatians 6, 7 says it all. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Consider the repercussions. Rebecca sends her her favored son, away, thinks it'll just be for a brief time. She never sees him again. She is not memorialized like the other patriarch's wives in the scripture. Brothers undergo two decades of estrangement as a result. And think further downstream for a minute. Jacob will become the victim of his uncle Laban's deception over two wives. And even more traumatic than that, he will suffer the deception of his own sons who will bring a bloody animal and say, Joseph, arguably his favorite, is dead. And live years of unnecessary grief. The old saying, what goes around, comes around. Proverbs eleven eighteen, the wicked earns deceptive wages, but one who sows righteousness it's a sure reward. Colossians 3.25, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. I probably should stop for a moment and address the fact, because I suspect some of you are worried about what's happening to me. Uh, I have teeth now. And it's been a long time. And they're hard to start figuring out how to work again. And so I have bit my lip. Um, So I'm bleeding all over myself somewhat. But I'm fine. (laughs) God's in control. So if you try to put the spectacle, I don't know, maybe the good thing I wore pink today. Oh, wonderful annoyance. Where are we? Noon.
had a great story to tell you from Brian Chappell's book, Holiness by Grace. Maybe I'll put it into my blog this week instead. I don't want us to rob time from the table. Genesis 27, though it is sober from start to finish, is meant to encourage us about God's blessing plan, always succeeding despite his children's worst failures. Our depravity should not be underestimated, but his sovereignty cannot be overturned, and life's reality cannot be escaped. Let me close with focusing on just one line of the blessing Jacob received in 2729A. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Where was that ultimately fulfilled? In Jesus Christ, whose death and resurrection enthroned him on high as the one to whom all authority on heaven and earth belongs, to whom every knee shall bow and tongue confess. Trust in him for blessing that not even sin can stop. Father, we thank you for these truths and the hope of the gospel. And pray now as we sing about your grace, which is enough, and come to the table to feast on the emblems of grace that is enough, that you will nurture and renew and strengthen our faith. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen.